Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome into What Makes Me Mad, a podcast where I discuss the things that make me mad. What is going on, everybody? This is episode 139 of the podcast. I do apologize in advance that it has been over a month since I have last recorded, but technically this is like my August version of What Makes Me Mad. Listen gonna really try to get into it doing this weekly again the reason why i want to get into it weekly again is because i might be debuting another podcast now you might be wondering to yourself cal why in god's green earth are you trying to do two podcasts at once you hardly have time for another one this is the main reason why right i have a fantastic idea And if I don't start getting it out there and telling people, hey, this was my podcast idea, that some other dingbat is going to come by and take that idea from me and make millions off it. So I want to get out ahead of the game and be like, hey, I came up with this idea first for the podcast and then nobody else takes it. Or if they want to take it and make it better, then they got to pay me some royalty fees or something like that. So just keep your eyes posted or i mean i guess keep your ears posted as well too for anything that i have going on might be a new podcast coming soon don't know when but i have a genius idea for it when i first told people about what makes me mad everyone was like that's a genius idea had a lot of success in the beginning kind of tapered off so My thinking on this one is maybe if I do two at once, uh, that will create enthusiasm for both. Because I have an idea on how I want to, you know, approach the second one and, you know, market it and all that other jazz and bullshit that I really don't have time for. But that's okay. Well, it has been a hot minute, though, since I have last recorded. A whole soccer tournament was played before and after. I had last recorded. So that's right. They flew out to New Zealand and Australia. Played. At, or wait a minute. No, they might have been starting up maybe. Yeah, I, sure, I don't know. All I know is I had the U.S. down as something that had made me mad. And that happened a while back. But I still want to chat about it. A lot of things that made me mad about that whole United States women's experience in the World Cup. First off, wasn't able to watch any damn games. Why? Because the two games that were in prime time I was busy for, and the other two were at like 4 in the morning. And I tell you what, glad I didn't get up at 4 in the morning to watch them choking penalty kicks. And listen, not blaming any of the players. But, oh my god, PKs, they act like it's such a mental game. You pick a corner and fire it. I used to play goalkeeper. You want to know what my trick was? Standing in net? I'm just going to pick a side and dive. There's all none of this, oh, I'm going to try to mess with them. Not just pick a side and go. It is basically a 50-50 shot on if you're going to pick the right spot or not. Not that hard. And boy, I saw some penalty kicks where people were really struggling to pick a little corner, right? But just what a disastrous World Cup for the women's team. They came in overly confident. And I was a little concerned when they only beat Vietnam 3 to nothing. I believe it was. Ah, United States always has problems with Vietnam, so I'm always like, ah, whatever, you know. 
Well, let's get him next game. Netherlands will be a great test for us, right? It was a one-to-one draw. Now I'm like, okay. Maybe they're figuring some things out here. This coach kind of seems like an idiot, but I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. The Portugal game happens. All they have to do is just draw against that to advance. They almost lose. They have a ball hit the post. They almost got knocked out in group play. That should have been a huge wake-up call for them. But instead, no. They were still like, we're the big bad United States of America. We'll roll through anybody. Coach doesn't have any smart moves at all that game. And sure enough, they get bounced by Sweden, I believe it was. But props to Sweden. They deserved it more. I mean, they played a pretty solid game. They won in penalty kicks. And yeah, that uh, head coach for the U.S., not in charge no more. Probably shouldn't have been in charge after the first two games. I don't pay attention to the United States women's team as much as I do with the men's team. Which, honestly, with all the bitching that I do about the United States men's team, I should probably pay more attention to the women's team aside from the World Cups. Why? Because the women's team normally dominates. And it's fun watching a team dominate. You know how many teams I've had to watch over the years just piss stuff away? It is nice flipping on the United States women's team, watching, you know, them spread some of that Yankee doodle dandy all across the world, kick some ass, take some names, and win a damn trophy once in a while. It was refreshing. Then I was looking forward to it this year, and then all of a sudden they go over to New Zealand and Australia, lay a damn egg. Pissed me right off. And it also pissed me off as well, too, that all these so-called patriots online want to shit on them for losing i couldn't believe it frustrated the hell out of me i was mad that the united states lost and i saw people online saying they were glad they lost it's like what kind of american are you listen when i watch the olympics i don't know hardly any of these athletes whatsoever but if they have the red white and blue strapped to their chest well you better believe i hope they get the longest distance in the shot put you better believe i hope they win that 100 meter dash I will happily do a conversion from metric system to whatever other system it is. Just so that way I can watch the U.S. just dominate the, and crush everybody, right? You got all these people online. Oh, I'm so glad the United States is out. I don't have to hear about them anymore. Oh, shut up. Like, first off, they're a successful program, so obviously you're going to hear about more. You don't like their political stances. Sorry, big deal. This is, you know, everybody's got different opinions than you, buddy. I've, guess what? I've liked athletes where I'm like, wow, your stance politically makes you a complete dunce. But you know how to throw a changeup really well. So I'm going to just put that stance in the back of my brain and focus on how solid your changeup is, right? That's how it should be with them. Like, all right, you want to know what? Hey, maybe some of the stuff I don't like, but guess what? They know how to hit a nice cross. I'll cheer them on in the, in the World Cup, right? But you had people actively cheering against the United States. I couldn't believe it. Americans. And I was like, why? You think that everybody on that same team has the same ideas and beliefs? No. I'm sure there are some people in there that uh, have the same beliefs you do, buddy. But yeah, I couldn't believe that. Everybody was just ripping. I'm like, Why? And they're inspiring a, a generation of women's soccer players. Like, and if it was your daughter out there that was playing for them, would you be like, I don't want them to win. I want them to lose, and I don't want them to get any 
pay or a bigger pay raise or anything like that. And listen, I don't know squat about that whole equal pay stuff or anything like that. But the way I see it, the women's team has had far more success than the men's team over the years. And they deserve maybe a little bit more of that piece of the pie. This whole, ooh, they, they'd get beat, but, you know, they got beat by the U15 team, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, man, they go over, they kick everybody's ass in the world, dominate. They're one of the least stressful teams I have to worry about. They bring me happiness. And then the one time they fuck up, everyone's like, oh, the old old now see does why. And it's like, ugh, pissed me off so much. Couldn't believe it. So, like, that's my whole thing. Like, I love covering women's soccer. Like, girl soccer, it's fun. Like, soccer is just a beautiful game. If people that just got to shit on it, like, uh, need to get outside and actually, you know, touch some grass or something like that instead of acting all tough online. Like what? Oh, congrats. You've got 500 likes on that comment saying you don't care about women's soccer. And it's from 500 random people across the world. Congratulations. I hope that builds and inflates your ego. But if you have a daughter and then all of a sudden she's playing really good, then all of a sudden, oh, you've always cared about it. Yeah, sure about that, buddy. So, yeah, that just pissed me off with everything like that that happened. So, hopefully they come back, kick some ass next uh, next World Cup. Another thing, though, that pissed me off. Could hardly watch any of the games because, yeah, 14-hour time difference. That's the thing. It was either... Like, 6 a.m. I think is, like, perfect time for, like, okay, yeah, that's, like, the earliest I'll get up for a game. 5 o'clock, you're pushing it. They, the central time for most of the games was 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, that's too late to stay up for, and that's too early to get up at. You either got to pick a time where people are either getting up or they can stay up for it. Don't try to meet me in the middle with that. It's impossible. And Fox Sports, again, God, they pissed me off so much. Alexi Lotless especially. God, I can't stand that guy. Was an okay United States men's soccer player, but he acts like, you know, he won five World Cups for the U.S. Thinks he has every opinion like that. Anyway, Fox, again, had to have the World Cup coverage of it like they did for the men. Thank God, are they just not good. They're just not good with their coverage. And even then, you know, they're telling people, hey, coverage for this event starts at 2 in the morning. You flip it on. And it's just them talking on a panel for an hour before going to the game, which starts at 3. That's deception right there. You want to know what? You tell me pregame starts at 2. The kickoff for the game starts at 3. I'll flip the game on at 3. Don't try to trick me with none of this bullshit. They did that to me in the past with the last World Cup, where it was the United States versus Netherlands. Game was played at 9 o'clock in the morning, right? And they say, coverage starts at 8. I get up. 8 o'clock's early for me, alright? I grab a Dr. Pepper because, you know, I want to watch, you know, an American team play, so I go for the drink that's, you know, most American for me, right? Dr. Pepper. I sit down on the couch with a muffin and a Dr. Pepper and a little Hershey's bar because Christian Pulisic is from Hershey, Pennsylvania. So I thought, hey, Hershey, Hershey, right? It's going to help out everybody. I flip it on. Pre-game for the next hour. And I was like, you bastards. If you would have told me pre-game... Started at, you know, 8 o'clock, game at 9, I wouldn't have gotten up. So I just went back to bed for, like, the next hour and then got up in time, basically, for kickoff. And I was like, see, that's how it should be. If you want people to tune in, maybe have a better pregame paddle than Alexi Lawless. I like Rob Stone. Rob Stone's nice. 
good good host in the middle and everything like that. But I'm not watching Alexi Lawless give out stupid and terrible opinions that he has. So that just frustrated me very much. So we'll have to see what happens. We'll just hopefully Fox will never get to host the World Cup again. And you know maybe I I don't know ESPN I think I remember hosted like 2010. I mean they weren't terrible at it. So but I was also too young to remember that. So I don't know. It just frustrates me. Tell me the damn time the game starts at, and I'll tune in for it. If I like the pregame coverage, I'll flip on the pregame coverage. But don't try to get me with some of that deceitful advertising, alright? So, just tell me when the game is on, and I will flip it on. Anyway, speaking of announcing, uh, over the summer there's a big, uh, big issue with the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, with their announcer... Basically, the Baltimore Orioles owner got his panties in a bunch uh, over something the announcer said during a pregame coverage of the Orioles game. And literally, all it was was he read a stat about the Orioles playing in Tampa Bay and they are not doing well, which was just a fact. And the Orioles all of a sudden suspended him for like a week. And there is a huge uproar about it, and rightfully so. I mean, all what the guy did was just read off a simple fact. Didn't say anything about it. He wasn't like, oh, this team's terrible. Like, the O's are in first place. The O's are basically America's team right now because everybody's happy that they're doing good because they're so terrible for so long. But then this dipshit owner is like, ooh, he hurt my feelings about because he said something negative about the team. So I got to suspend him. And it's like, do you not have any common sense, my guy? I mean, come on. Like, let's figure some stuff out here. Like, first off, he just simply read a stat. That's not his fault. And then secondly, it wasn't a bad stat at all. He just simply was like, the O's are 1-6 in, uh, in in Tampa Bay since, you know, so-and-so date. But, you know, he gets all, mm, I'm all upset. And, yeah, it's just dumb. I don't understand it at all, but just... Made me very mad. As, you know, an inspiring announcer, I really would not want to work for somebody like that. And I figured out over the years as being a baseball fan, watching all these lockouts happen, near contract negotiations go up in smoke. A lot of these owners, just members of the Lucky Sperm Club, only reason they're rich is because their grandfather was rich. Only reason they are rich is because their family member came up with an idea that nobody had before and they're just riding off the coattails since then you want to see how badly things are run or like you want to see if a billionaire is actually smart have them run a sports team then you could see the incompetency at the highest level dan schneider uh the angels owner art moreno i believe his name is pronounced john fisher all these guys are quacks and they are just not good businessmen at all because they run that franchise terribly. And then it's like, hmm, if you're running this sports team terribly, what are you doing with your other business adventures? Like, I see all this stuff come out about the Angels, and I'm just like, wow, how does this owner get to maintain being in charge of a professional sports team? You know how I've said on previous podcasts that these, uh, that there should be fan representation at all these collective bargaining meetings i also feel like that after five years of ownership if you are not doing a good enough job 
an election should be held or like a vote or a signature ballot that the fan base can have you get rid of your team. I am sick and tired of these teams passing it down from incompetent father to incompetent son who had an incompetent other son and it just keeps getting passed down and passed down and passed down. They don't spend no money and it's like they're it's run the same way that they did by the other dipshit family members. And the only reason they're getting it is because they were, were in the lucky lineage line. And you see all this incompetency in full swing. And what sucks is all those people have to suffer. Like, I feel genuinely bad for Lions fans. They have been under the Ford ownership for the entire time and probably will be as long as they are in Detroit. And all it is just going to keep getting passed out and passed out. The next daughter or the next son will take over. They'll continue the terrible ways. Then Detroit won't keep winning. But the fans keep coming out because they're a passionate group of fans. And I want to see them get rewarded for their passion. But instead, it's almost like they're punished for it. I mean, you look at that Angels guy, right? That owner owns them, owns the Angels, right? He has single-handedly wasted the prime career of Mike Trout, one of the greatest baseball players of my generation, and is in the process of wasting the prime of Shohei Otani, one of the greatest players I have ever seen. I have never seen anything like it before. And he has gone out of his way with his utter incompetency and buffoonery with his inability to put a successful product on the field and have those guys play in the postseason. I think Mike Trout has played in the postseason maybe one time in his career. He has been in the major leagues since 2012. At least 2012. I know that for a fact. There have been three presidents since the last time that year has happened. That is how bad of an owner that guy is. He says, oh, I am thinking about selling the team. Angels fans rejoice. Do you know how bad you have to be at your job? For when you go, I'm going to sell this team. And even though I did absolutely nothing to improve it, I am going to sell it. And I'm going to make a boatload of money. Money that I don't need anymore. And the people cheer. Do you know how bad you have to be where you're like, I am leaving this job. And everybody on Twitter goes, thank fucking God. And then he decides, I don't feel like selling actually. And then it's basically like a funeral on there. This guy stinks. And I'm tired of him. And I'm tired of all these other owners that come in that think they're such big wig hot shots that don't know shit about anything. They come in, they ruin a successful franchise, and then they walk away with more money. Like, prime example of it. Donald Sterling got to own an NBA organization, and the only reason he got it was because he got lucky in some real estate, I think it was, was a terrible landlord owner and all this, but still somehow got to own an NBA team. There was talks about voting him out before... All the racist tapes got released between him and the uh, one girl. Then that gets released. He then is forced to sell the team. He is forced to sell the team 
for two billion he he made two billion dollars off of like you know what would be career ending for anybody else he still got two billion out of it like you can't say oh that poor owner owner got forced out of a shot he got two billion for it how is that fair on a positive note though it's worked out better for clippers fans because they get a good owner in steve ballmer who's energetic exciting is landing free agents and is actually like you know building their own stadium all oh, this said actually not being an idiot owner whereas donald sterling was a complete idiot was terrible when it came to uh, franchise uh decisions uh incompetency with coaching staff and would even market himself over the players more just an act just one of those guys where you're like how is he a functioning human he got to own an nba franchise basically made it a second-rate player in their city ran it into the ground was very unsuccessful their loan season where they were actually good he then puts out the bombshell or where he gets recorded making all these racist remarks of a about you know an ethnicity that is predominantly on the clippers as well too he's making all these comments about black people when literally the basically entire starting lineup for the clippers is african-american so then that basically throws a huge wrench in their postseason climate because they got to deal with all this stuff right his incompetency and you know just being a god-awful human being rewarded him with two billion dollars it's so unfair but it just kind of works out good for people because now they like you get Balmer in there but i'm just so sick of these owners with just money to just piss away being like i'm gonna buy a franchise that was the one nice thing that came out of that whole you know european super league drama which it go back and listen to that podcast if you want i believe it's episode 55 maybe could be wrong could be right anyway a bunch of american owners or or i mean a couple of them you know that they have decided to you know go overseas own a soccer team well guess what it's a lot different over there you think americans are passionate go over to england and try to you know fuck with their soccer team over there they aren't they they are a passionate bunch and when you're like the whole oh we don't have any money to spend this free agent period they are gonna come after you over there that's basically what happened with this whole super league stuff you know like they try the whole all right we're gonna join this super league everybody hates it and then like a day later they're like okay after all this negative feedback we're not gonna do like at least the whole world got to see like yeah these guys get to you know uh run our our sports teams over here as well too so yeah god awful at running businesses can't stand it but i guess what can you do what can you do another thing though that made me mad probably the last thing i will talk about as well too since college football basically right around the corner but it is also kind of around the corner as well too because week zero just happened last week some games went on some games went on this week and let me tell you this whole conference realignment i hate it with a burning passion i am a big traditionalist guy i like my rivalry matchups i hate the moves for money so much i hate the fact that usc and ucla are considered big 10 schools because when i think of the big 10 i think of the midwest 
because that's where most of these schools are at in the Midwest. Wisconsin, Minnesota, Iowa, Illinois, Purdue, I mean Indiana I should say, Ohio, Michigan, and then Pennsylvania as well too. That makes sense. And then when I was in like the 8th grade, uh, Big Ten poached Nebraska and I was like, okay, that's cool. Like that's still a Big Ten school. And it's, wor- and it's had its benefits. Like, Nebraska, although down in football, uh, hopefully will be on the way up. Their volleyball program is really good. And, you know, like, they bring the flair for that. And then all of a sudden, Big Ten's announced, hey, we're adding Maryland and Rutgers. And I'm like, why? That's the, like, Atlantic. That's all the way over to the Atlantic. That's not, like, Big Ten geography at all. Oh, it's for TV. It's for TV. Okay, I mean, Maryland and Rutgers are kind of decent in basketball, but, like, football Rutgers has been terrible for the last decade, and Maryland's kind of, like, slowly starting to ascend a little bit, but I'm like, all right, I'm not the biggest fan, but, you know, whatever. If they want to come join and get more money and get their ass kicked, go for it. And then all of a sudden, it's, hey, guess what? We're adding USC and UCLA, and I'm like, why the fuck are we doing that? I get the whole money standpoint. But at some point, you keep chasing the dollars, you're going to lose sight of their original focus and the love of the game. And listen, I understand, college football is going to go on, it's going to be okay, everyone's like, oh, this is the death of college football. Listen, there's going to be ways for it to survive, it'll be okay, but it's just part of me, like, I like the whole, you know, USC and Washington are big rivalries, alright? Like, you know, they, or, you know, uh, USC, Arizona... But now, obviously, the Pac-12 then fell apart because once USC and UCLA left, and it was talks of, oh, God, what's going to happen with the rest of the remaining schools, their TV deal then fell through. They have had two incompetent commissioners back-to-back. And, uh, yeah, I both of them struggled very much with their TV deals. And then it basically came down to uh, they had a potential TV deal set up in place, and then the... Uh, presidents of the university which again all those big pu- uh pushy title names where they just get a bunch of money and really just go out kiss hands or you know shake hands kiss babies cut some ribbons all that stuff they don't really do a whole lot but they get paid a whole shit ton for it which is a whole nother discussion for another day they come out and they're like oh no we want some more money from this tv deal they went back and they're like yeah sorry we're not doing it So then Washington and Oregon now leave for the Big Ten. Arizona, Arizona State, I believe, are now, and I believe Utah maybe as well too, are now Big 12. So that leaves like four schools from like the Pac-12, kind of like, oh shit, what do we do? And I feel really bad because I like Washington State. Like, you know, they're good in football. Uh, Oregon State is on the up and end for, you know, football. They've had a good baseball program over the years. Stanford, obviously very solid uh, in baseball and other sports. Football, they've been down for the past couple years, but still, like, they've put together, like, excellent football programs over the years. And Cal, Cal's been down for a while, but that's all right. You know, they're good in other sports. And it's just so frustrating because now it's like, well, now those four schools have gotten screwed. And then all of a sudden, the ACC is like, well, shit, we got to add a bunch of schools now. It's like this whole arm race, and it's like someone has to step in and be like, no, this is not happening. Like, you guys stay in your region. You guys stay in your region. You're able to discuss your TV deals. But if you want to do, like, this whole conference realignment, it's got to be this whole one thing at a time. We're not doing 16 teams move at once. Forget it. Like, there's this whole massive 
move from, uh, you know, because uh, the Big 12 uh, with Texas and Oklahoma leaving, they then added some smaller schools, which works out pretty good. Uh, but then all of a sudden, it's like this whole race, like, and it's not good for any conference. And I just want to know why the hell the NCAA just doesn't step in and be like, we need to figure this out. You need to go through a process for it. You just can't announce, oh, we're leaving because we're getting more money. And then in two years, uproot and go elsewhere. Like, Missouri left for the SEC. We're, they were perfect for the Big 12. They had their great rivalries. Now they just get their ass kicked every week. Congrats. Hope the money was worth it. Now Texas, Oklahoma are leaving. It's like, you're going to obliterate all those good rivalries that you had? What, for just money? That's what makes college football so fun. Like, I could give two shits about Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, but Bedlam's such a great rivalry that I will sit down and watch it every year because I know it's going to be electric. And now that's not going to happen in the next couple years because Oklahoma is now a part of the SEC for some damn reason. Just frustrates the hell out of me. So now, and now you have these like super large conferences and it's frustrating, one, because you have conferences that are literally named like the Big Ten. For the longest time, it was always a joke that the Big Ten had 11 teams. Then they went out and added Nebraska. And I was like, oh, okay, that, you know, whatever, that's fine. Then it was Maryland and uh, Rutgers. And I was like, okay, this is kind of a lot. And then it was USC and UCLA. And then it was Washington. I think they've got close to 20 teams now. They're not the Big Ten anymore. And it frustrates the hell out of me. And it's like, that's what I like about the Big Ten was it was like teams from around the area and you knew it. USC, I like them for the most part. I think the, like their history is cool. I'm not the biggest fan of them right now, but like whatever. UCLA, I know we've played them in some Rose Bowls, but that's basically about it. Same with Oregon, same with Washington. Like those schools are fine. I like watching the Pac-12 after dark, but it's just dumb there. That there's not like this whole lot of like tradition behind it. But also too, the traveling and logistics of it make no sense. Because this isn't just for football. Like football you can kind of get away with it. Because it's just a, you know a Saturday afternoon and for like a weekend. But if you've got like you know a basketball program. Swim program. Golf. All these other smaller you know sports that are going to have to make the travel. That's going to be really hard on the student athletes. The coaches. You know, and all this other stuff. It's just incredibly frustrating. It's like, why in God's green earth would all these Midwest schools have to fly out to California? Like, yeah, for a tournament, I get it. But, like, to play a regular season game, uh, you know, in February for a basketball game, you know how hard that's going to be for all the kids? It, it makes no sense. And then also, too, the, you thought the geography didn't make sense when, like, these Midwest schools were adding each other. Like, as much as I hate the move, like, Texas, Oklahoma, all right, yeah, that's kind of southeast. I'll give you that. Yeah, I can work with that. Missouri, sure, why not? The ACC, the Atlantic Coastal Conference, is in the process of talking about wanting to add it. Southern Methodist University, which is located in Dallas, Texas, and it also wants to add Stanford and Cal. And then I think maybe Washington State, Oregon State as well, too. The logistics of that make no sense. You are then flying literally across country. The Atlantic Coast Conference should be teams located by the Atlantic Ocean. In what world 
is Stanford and California, two schools located by the Pacific Ocean, anywhere near that at all. Because at that point, you might as well just call yourself the Coastal Conference at this point. If they, if, if, if the ACC was like, you know what, we're the Coastal Conference now at this point. Be like, fine, whatever. I'll roll with it. But now it's like, that makes no sense to have all these ACC teams and then be like, we're going to add Stanford. And again, Stanford, like a prestigious program as well too. Like, like for academics as well too. Again, going to be very, very hard for all the student athletes to get on a plane uh, for the sports, you know, midweek and all that. Fly cross country to go to North Carolina for a game. It makes no sense. And it's also frustrating because it's going to affect other sports as well too. Like the ACC, I like for basketball. And I like the Big 12 uh, for ba- uh, for basketball as well too. And when you have all these conferences moving around just solely for football, it makes a huge headache out of it. Honestly, as much as I gripe about the WIAA, the Wisconsin Interscholastic Athletic Association, or I mean, I guess technically they didn't do this, but the football coaches came up with the idea and they approved it, where if you want to move a conference in high school, you got to go through a process, but also to the football coaches came out and be like, if you want to do it just for football, you can. And I really wish someone at the NCAA would be like, you want to know what? If you want to move conferences for football, go for it. Because, you know, you got like stuff like Notre Dame is an independent for football, but for like a bunch of other stuff, they're with the Atlantic Coastal Conference. But I think for hockey, they're with the Big Ten. You can do stuff like that. That makes sense because Notre Dame, you know, located in Indiana, that's a lot more better for traveling for them. But for football, it's a little bit different. Like, all these moves are solely just for football because football makes the most money. It makes sense. Like, I get it. Yeah, if some conference is going to offer you $50 more million, yeah, you're going to take it. I get it. It makes sense. But what frustrates the hell out of me is all these other things that are going to happen and, like, all these other smaller sports that are going to suffer because of it. It, it, it just frustrates the hell out of me. And another thing that frustrates the hell out of me is all these TV deals that are becoming more expensive. I saw the NBC, uh, Big Ten, they announced, hey, we're going to you know be airing some games. I'm looking forward to it. It'll be exciting. Uh, it should be a lot of fun. But guess what? Again, I'm not paying for Peacock. I saw Wisconsin vs. Rutgers is going to be solely on Peacock. I'm not paying 10 bucks to watch Wisconsin vs. Rutgers. I'm sorry. I'll listen to it on the radio or I'll catch highlights of it later on YouTube. But guess what? I'm not paying for it. And, like, I don't care if you put Eastern Michigan versus Michigan on there or Michigan versus Ohio State. Like, I'm not paying to watch, like, something that should already be included in my cable package. Stop trying to nickel and dime me when you're already making a ridiculous amount of money off this. Like, no one's ever saying, like, oh, God, those poor universities just aren't making enough money from football. No, it's them being greedy. And then with the whole TV deals, like, oh, these cable companies just aren't getting enough money. Like, no, they're running plenty of money. They're getting the viewerships for it. But what's hurting is, of course, the fans. And that's always what ends up happening. And it frustrates me very, very much. So it's going to be a fun college football season. Like, literally, I'm like Saturday, I'm going to be parked, watching some football. Badgers start at 2.30. I'm going to catch some college game day early in the morning. And then I might even watch West Virginia versus Penn State later in the night. But it's shit like that that happens with, like, the whole conference realignment where I'm just like, oh, 
This makes my head hurt. I love this sport, but good God, it's run by so many incompetent people. It frustrates the hell out of me. Oh, well, that's going to do it, though, for this week's edition of, or I mean, I guess this month's edition of What Makes Me Mad. We're figuring out a time, all right? I'm Listen, I understand it's not good right now posting what, once a month, but I'm just trying to figure this out, all right? We'll just stick with me, and we'll all be all right. All right, that's going to do it for this uh, edition of the podcast. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next time. Thank you.